Welcome to the Global Venturing Review Podcast. My name is James Mawson, founder and editor-in-chief of our Global Corporate Venturing, Global University Venturing and Global Impact Venturing publications. A great pleasure to be back here once again with Thierry Hillis, editor. Welcome, Thierry. Hello, Jim. It's, uh, it's nice to have you in the country again this week. Yeah, it's nice to be here, actually, although admittedly it's cold and rainy, so... Uh, <laughs> it I'm is sure indeed, that, yes. I'm sure there are other places around the world where it's not cold and rainy, but still, it's nice to be back. It's nice to be home and... Uh, Nice to catch up with uh, with what's been happening in the past week. What's the what's caught your eye this week, Thierry? Well, one of the biggest investment that we've come across was Greensill, which is a UK-based company that taps the capital markets in order to provide working capital for businesses. And that's received one of the year's biggest investments in May when it secured $800 million from SoftBank Vision Fund. And it's now added a further $655 million from that same investor at evaluation reportedly nearing $4 billion. The cash will fund international expansion, and it comes alongside Greensill's purchase of FreeUp, which will help it extend financing to workers. Yeah, great area and uh, you know, of, uh, of sort of financing markets to, to be looking at. Uh, a lot of small businesses need either working capital or invoicing or factoring or you know, something, you know, banks are, you know, obviously provide some overdraft and prepared to offer loans, but often they need some collateral or, you know, something to put against it. So getting a model that understands the sort of the, perhaps using big data and AI to understand the sort of credit risks of some of these companies and offer, offer them this is obviously hugely important for the smaller companies and, you know, can be very lucrative for, uh, for the one offering, offering the loans as well, or the, the working capital. So, uh, Obviously, something's going well, given that SoftBank's is re-upping so, uh, so much in Greensill. Uh, I'm sure given the current challenges in some of its other portfolio companies, there's a, a degree more thoughtfulness that's going into some of the activity they're doing. So the fact that Greensill in the UK is uh, getting, that, uh, getting that attention is, uh, is good to see. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's funny that you should mention more troublesome companies in, in, in part of SoftBank's portfolio because the exit that we need to talk about this week, well, it, it may not even happen at all. It might not be an exit. But that's uh, erstwhile SoftBank's darling that turned into a problem child, and that's WAG, which is a pet-sitting service. WAG raised $300 million from SoftBank Vision Fund last year, but the service has been among the vehicle's less successful bets after a series of management changes, layoffs, and well, we need perhaps a trigger warning here, reports that users' dogs have died while in the custody of its walkers. The company is now pursuing a sale and is in talks with Petco, though things might be complicated by the fact that the latter is an invest in WAG rival Rover, and his sale is also likely to be for less than the $650 million valuation at which the Vision Fund invested. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is a, a challenge. When obviously we'll see what happens to it in, in terms of whether a deal gets through and valuation, if it's reported and, and the rest of it. But, uh, but certainly I, I, I know a few sort of Eyebrows were raised a couple of years ago when SoftBank did choose WAG. It was hard to see how it fitted with the sort of big data and uh, the other strategies it was following in, in the rest of its portfolio. They obviously saw something there that people do have dogs. There are more dogs and you do need to walk them and, you know, hence offering a service, you know, could go well. Whether it's, a, you know, a multi-billion dollar company was a little bit more sort of tricky to see perhaps, but, uh, we shall see what happens to here, but obviously, given the fact that uh, banks off the back of potentially a five to seven billion dollar write down some of its other assets, particularly We Company, which runs WeWork and 
Uber, you know, after its IPO. The news hasn't been uh, all positive out of SoftBank in the past few weeks, which is challenging timing since that SoftBank's actually trying to raise its second vision fund and looking to get a, you know, that at more than $100 billion. So quite where that's going to fall out, I, I think um, it's not, not helpful news, put it that way. No, no, it really isn't. Well, we, we have slightly nicer news, though, coming out of Singapore, where venture capital firm Jungle Ventures has closed its latest fund at $240 million, securing the capital from LPs according to Deal Street Asia, Cisco Investments, as well as Walwang Ventures, the corporate venture capital arm of Bangkok Bank, as well as Tomasek, the International Finance Corporation, Development Finance Institutions, DEG and FMO, as well as Kwok Kun Hong, who's the CEO of Wilma International. Jungle Ventures 3 is the firm's third Southeast Asian fund, and the close includes $40 million that consists of separately managed account commitments. It will focus on digital consumer brands, enterprise software, and local developers of technology that can be scaled worldwide. Yeah, I mean, obviously, fantastic you know, success. I mean, Singapore has been really a model in many ways of um, you know how to think about developing an ecosystem with, frankly, no natural resources apart from location you know, and good governance into something which is able to develop a local entrepreneurial ecosystem, help expand out you know, more medium-sized companies to become larger and attract foreign direct investment um, you know, for you know, it's really been doing a, a lot right in the fact that it's moved beyond just providing sovereign wealth fund capital to these people and developing a local venture capital ecosystem that can then fund it. It's, it's really well joined up, taken a long time, you know, a few decades. And Jungle Ventures is just one sort of uh, example of uh, what they've done really well. And the fact that they've got these sort of a great, great group of both corporate and financial and other supporting investors as limited partners in the, in its third fund is uh, great, but it just shows the I think the appeal and the attraction for Southeast Asia in terms of demographics, general technology and entrepreneurship. It's, uh, it's definitely up and to the right in that region at the moment. So good to see. Well, another um, good story is a crossover one from uh, corporate and university world, and it's an ongoing one as well since several of the corporates were returning investors. And that's Team Unity Therapeutic, which is a developer of T-cell immunotherapy treatments for cancer and autoimmune diseases. And that's boosted its overall funding to $231 million with a $75 million Series B round featuring Gilead Sciences and Be The Match Biotherapies, as well as University of Pennsylvania, of which Team Unity is a spin-out. All three previously participated in Team Unity's $135 million Series A last year, alongside Ping An Ventures and Lily Asia Ventures. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, obviously, sort of anything around oncology or treating cancers uh, being sort of a hot area, and there's been some really massive sort of exits and multi-billion valuations. And, you know, a lot of the big sort of drug company and pharma companies and biotechs are, are looking at that space, and T-cells is definitely one of the hottest sort of treatment areas that uh, people are exploring. So Team Unity obviously has something uh, up its sleeve that uh, that hopefully will, make the world a better place or certainly a healthier place so good to see and one of the things actually which is quite interesting is um mark andreessen who many people will know from founding netscape as one of the first sort of browsers more recently being set up and run in a venture capital firm called Andreessen horowitz you know and about nearly a decade ago now he kind of did a, a fairly sort of influential paper in the wall street journal talking about how software was eating the world and 
how the sort of rise of these software companies was really going to expand. And it's been one of the sort of driving metrics, uh, driving sort of memes for this decade. His latest paper just came out this week, I think, was was how biotech is now eating the world. That's his new hypothesis or thesis, looking at how what has driven the past 50 years rise of sort of technology chips and, and hence software off the back of that process and power. But actually, if you, if you think about it, some of the most efficient, effective sort of data storage platforms, iteration and processing plants are inside a human body or inside bodies. And, you know, getting those cells to work through CRISPR and sort of gene editing or getting the understanding of how biotech could act as a you know, little processing pack, a data storage unit, as well as influencing what and how people live as we move towards the singularity. You know, it's a really insightful paper. And uh, I think just look at the size of this round, look at what the impact is on people if uh, if we can start to get more personalised or individualised medicine. And uh, I think it's well worth a read. Uh, I definitely think Mark is on to something with that, with that piece. That sounds fascinating. I'll... Uh... I have to hunt that down. I hadn't. Uh, I know the software eats, is, is eating the world one, but I hadn't come across the biotech one yet. So yeah, no, it's just out this week, I think. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good one actually. And actually, I'll take a quick moment before we run into the sort of deals to do a little plug for those able to help us. One of the things that we've been able to spot over the past couple of years is this rise of particularly biotech and how people are thinking about the sort of genomics and epigenome and all the rest of it. And uh, I think. That's been coming because so many of the corporate venturing listeners and, and readers that we have at Global Corporate Venturing have been able to share their insights for our annual survey. So if anyone is able to go to www.surveymonkey.com slash r slash GCV survey 2020, that would be super helpful. We have it in different languages as well for those who, who maybe don't find English as, as easy to write in and we can then sort of do the uh, transcribing and trans iteration but really useful for us to and our academic partners in London Business School and Stanford University to be able to really understand what's happening look under the hood in terms of getting aggregated data and really starting to pass through it so those able to do it um, as well as obviously anyone who's able to join us at the GCVI summit at the end of January where the results will be published and that will follow our Global Corporate Venture and Rising Stars and Emerging Leaders Awards the night before the Monterey Aquarium will be uh, will be for uh, you know uh, will be hugely appreciated. So please go to surveymonkey.com slash r slash gcv survey twenty twenty and uh, that will be uh, much appreciated. But uh, plug over Thierry. Well, what's the what's uh, what's been the other news and briefs? Well, with deals, we have trading app developer Robin Hood, which has added $50 million to a Series E round that now stands at $373 million and values it at $7.6 billion. The extra cash came from existing investor DST Global, and it increased the total raised by Robin Hood, which also counts Rock Nation's Arrive unit and Alphabet subsidiaries Capital G and GV among its past investors to more than $910 million. Bacasa has notched up its own nine-figure round, raising $319 million from investors led by Silver Lake. It operates a peer-to-peer holiday accommodation booking platform that incorporates property management services, allowing owners of properties where they are not often present to garner extra income with minimal effort. The round values at more than a billion dollars, and its earlier investors include insurance provider Assurance. 
Mobile game publisher Scopely is on the growth trail as well and plans to follow up its acquisition of collaborator Digit Games earlier this year with additional M&A deals. They'll be financed with $200 million of Series D funding the company just raised at a reported $1.7 billion valuation, with New View Capital leading the round. Scopely's existing backers include Rockstar Games owner Take-Two Interactive and Kernel Group. Japanese online consumer credit provider Payday has raised $143 million in debt and equity financing that included an $83 million extension to its Series C round. That extension included PayPal Ventures and followed on from a $55 million first tranche featuring corporates Itoshu and Visa. Payday has now secured a total of $163 million in equity funding and its past investors also include SIG Asia, CyberAgent, Recruit and SBI. And after-sales automotive services provider Castime has secured $80 million in a Series C1 round co-led by Sequoia Capital China and Sourcecode Capital that boosted its overall funding to some $175 million. Its earlier investors include Fosun RZ Capital, and the latest round was also backed by Hua Partners. And Polynate has officially launched its digital bank technology offering, having secured $77.8 million in funding from investors including Mastercard and Royal Bank of Scotland, or RBS, as well as Motive Partners and EFM Asset Management. The technology is already powering an offering for RBS subsidiary NatWest called Till by NatWest. Funds, we've got one more here apart from the Jungle Ventures one we just talked about, and that's Qualcomm Ventures, which has announced an investment vehicle called the 5G Ecosystem Fund that will fund developers of 5G technologies as parent company Qualcomm looks to move more significantly into the area. The unit will look to invest up to $200 million through the vehicle, the launch of which follows the formation of a $100 million AI fund almost a year ago. Exits was rather busy here. We have Fathom Pharmaceuticals, which has gone public, securing nearly $182 million in an IPO, in which the gastrointestinal disease therapy developer floated in the middle of its range. Fathom has licensed its core product from pharmaceutical firm Takeda, which has already successfully marketed the drug in its home country of Japan, and which has seen its stake rise from 9.1% to 24.7% in connection with the IPO as part of the licensing agreement. Fertility benefits management platform Progeny has also floated in a $130 million offering in which Merck Group sold almost $4.9 million worth of shares. That divestment was made as part of nearly $43 million of sales from existing shareholders, while Progeny reaped more than $87 million. Its other investors include GlaxoSmithKline's SR1 unit. Xiaomi-backed podcasting platform Lizzie has filed for an initial public offering in the US and is targeting $100 million. Lizzie is yet to finalize its choice of a market for existing. It's a choice between the New York Stock Exchange and Nasdaq Global Market. And it's going to be interesting to see the timeline of the proposed offering, considering the IPO market is slowing down and relations between its home country and the US continue to be, well, uneven. That also isn't stopping Chinese apartment rental platform Dunkin' Apartment, though, which has also filed for an IPO in the US, having raised $875 million from investors, including Ann Financial, New Commune and Bertelsmann Asia Investments. The company was valued at more than $2 billion as of a $500 million round led by Ant Financial in March and has set a placeholder amount of $100 million for the IPO. Expect that one to rise substantially. 
And another one, Aymar Biopharma has also opted for the US, having filed for a $100 million initial public offering on the Nasdaq global market. The company is developing several drug candidates to treat cancer or autoimmune diseases, and its largest investors include Tasli and Genexin. And finally, people moves. Here we have Itzia Estevez Lataza, a former principal at industrial conglomerate Siemens's Next 47 corporate venture unit, who has joined France-based venture capital firm Iris Capital as a Germany-based partner. The move comes after nearly a decade spent in corporate venturing at Siemens for Estevez Lataza, initially at Next47's predecessor Siemens Venture Capital. And Lady Greenstreet has been promoted to head of European Strategic Investments at Accenture Ventures, the corporate venture unit of the management consultancy. Greenstreet had previously moved to take charge of the open innovation activities for UK and Ireland at Accenture Ventures in June this year. It initially joined the unit back in 2012. US-based power utility Emerson has promoted Thurston Cromwell to Vice President of Corporate Development. The move comes after Cromwell has spent four years as the Director of Development at Emerson, and his role now combines corporate venture capital with mergers and acquisition activities. JSW Ventures, the corporate venturing unit for India-based steel and energy conglomerate JSW Group, Besides Sachin Tagra as a partner ahead of the first close of its second fund. Tagra joins JSW Ventures from Media House Network 18 Group, where he headed its corporate venture capital subsidiary, Capital 18. And finally, Alphabet's GV has hired Srida Ramaswamy as an entrepreneur in residence to explore the oncology ecosystem. Ramaswamy moved from US-based cancer treatment development Tesaro where he had been Senior VP and Head of Research and Early Development since 2017. Wonderful. Thanks, Thierry. And uh, obviously, uh, interesting deals, exits, and uh, in particular, the sort of people moves. I'm sure we'll see a few more of those. We're, we're just working through the sort of 20,000 or so sort of suggestions, nominations, and various people within the industry that make up the selection for the rising stars and emerging leaders. So that's uh, yeah, that's taken up a fair amount of uh, sort of internal bandwidth. But for those keen to get some of uh, some of their team nominated, recommended, or just others that they think are really stars and highlights within the industry, don't hesitate to reach out to Jay Mawson, J-M-A-W-S-O-N, at Mawsonia, M-A-W-S-O-N-I-A dot com, and we'll be able to sort of get the team involved and review the applications and take it from there as, uh, as we go through over the next couple of weeks before the GCVI summit at the end of January. And uh, obviously the sort of... Uh, the dinner at the Monterey Aquarium is free for the, the winners and uh, looking forward to catching up with uh, all those rising stars and emerging leaders. It's a really wonderful project to see just how many talented people there are and what they're doing to make the world a better place. So good to see. Well, thank you all and uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon. Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.